This is Playfully, the podcast that talks with the most playful people and asks them how they got to be so playful. I'm Emily Cordy Stroff. My guest today is an occupational therapist who has really been on the cutting edge of wellness work for a long time. She's worked on projects internationally and domestically from elderly to college students. She's currently getting her PhD in occupational science to add to her clinical doctorate in occupational therapy. Most intriguing, she uses humor in her teaching, humor in our field of occupational therapy, and humor in her life as a comedian to shine a light on the contradictions of life. Please welcome Dr. Karen McCarthy. Oh, thanks for having me here. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Would you say that you are good at playing? Oh, good at playing. You know, the the academic in me now is going to go, what is good? What is good at playing? So. <laughs> I, I do definitely think I'm a playful person and that I, I really excel at certain types of play that I'm drawn to, but there's other types of play that I don't really enjoy, especially if it becomes more competitive or it has a lot of rules to it. And I tend to like a little bit more um, humorous play, costume dress up, kind of costume parties, Halloween. Like I love that kind of imaginary like fantasy play. So I think I'm good at playing when it's a type of play that I find really enjoyable and I'm with people that are kind of inspiring my my playfulness. Um, but, you know, as adults, I think we've we've kind of been pushed out of play a bit. And um, and that's something that I've been researching more is just how our expectations from society and, you know, whatever culture and groups that we're in have have said that adults don't really play. And if they do, it should be in a responsible way and not get in the way of their other things. And so I think I could actually be a better player. <laughs> and it's something that as I'm reading and learning more, I'd like to work on more for myself is to get better at playing. Huh. Me too. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. We're, we're going to be such great players. Like next year, we check in and be like, I don't have time to check in. I'm just out there playing. I'm just out playing. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a theme about that. So it's interesting that you say that you, uh, you prefer or you feel like you're good at playing things that are kind of less have less rules or less mm -hmm. kind of rudders to guide you kind of thing. And you do better with them. Um, sounds like a little bit more free play, mm -hmm. something that's, um, you know, kind of creative and stuff. And and it's interesting what I'm finding is the people who I have been having on kind of um, mimic that too, is that they, they think of play more as a, a creative and um, sort of having no boundaries, no rules and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting how it's kind of being reflected back, um, you know, in my small um, uh, few invitees that I've had and yeah. subjects um, that I invite <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's play that we 
plan for and create, you know, that like, I'm going to have this event or I'm going to attend this or organize this. And then there's just play as you go. And so sometimes things are more spontaneous, like a playful moment that turns into an interaction. Um, but something, yeah, that I've been thinking about more, and maybe because I actually am a very planned, organized person, is I like thinking about going to these things, like finding these events where people are getting together to play. And maybe that's different than the everydayness of play, that like play can be enfolded into many of our occupations. But I also like to think about which ones are really special that we like set aside time for and energy for. Hmm. Yeah, I remember um listening to you on the Dr. Thoughts mm-hmm. um, podcast that talked about I love Dr. Thoughts by the way. Yeah. That talked about you went to an air guitar. Um oh, love air guitar. <laughs> air guitar has been a love affair for many years. Like started and a lot of the play things that I do are just these random things somebody will mention. I go, what are you talking about? Like it just sounds I have to get there. So ridiculous. And then when you get into it, you're like, this is, it's funny, but it's not a joke at all. Like, it's kind of like this serious art form. And then you're in the flow of it and you're like immersed in it. And like, you're forgetting that there's no guitar there. And it's just like this great expansive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, I was in the Shakespeare Festival here in St. Louis a couple of years back. And I remember being at a you know, being at a practice or whatever. And the, I turn around and there was like a basketball going on behind me, but there was no basket and no basketball. And it was just like a group of actors who had just like picked up, you know, and pretended to have a basketball game, which I just adore. (laughs) That's a whole new thing for Air Jordan. I mean, Air Jordan was just a basketball player. (laughs) He'd be great at that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what other air things can you do? Goodness. Oh my God. Air everything. But air you know, air. that's what's funny is that it's poking fun at, at the reality of like, you know, when we get so into sports or competitions and it's basically saying, you know, we can do a mock event and it's funny, but it also kind of points out things that maybe you were getting caught up in, like getting too mm-hmm. serious about. And I think that kind of reflection back to society. It's kind of very resistive. Sometimes I feel like play can be very political. Um, and that really excites me, this idea that you can kind of play with what people think is the social norm and mm-hmm. throw it back. Like even some of my students now are studying um, doing drag and thinking about drag as this really important cultural, historical like occupation, but also it's like a resistive play where you're playing with gender norms and throwing it back at people and using humor. So really excited about those things that kind of test their serious play, but they're also like really enjoyable to be part of. Yeah. I think of it as sort of like being inside the, um, the box or the um, bear hug, you know, that sensory equipment, that's the the squishy thing and like pushing outside of it. So that you kind of push against the boundaries just a little bit to make people wonder, well, what is that in there? <laughs> when you talk about sensory play, my mind goes straight to like BDSM because some of the groups that do like sex play, like they do a lot of sensory stuff, but then they also have like code words because you got to know when it's like consensual mm. safe and then you got to know when it's <laughs> so when I t- say to people that I study adult play trust me that's the first thing that they go to so oh, totally 
I was like, don't Google search that when you start your lit review. I don't. The database. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> I know. I was trying to name my podcast and I had to be sort of careful about it. <laughs> or include it all, you know, either way. Right. I mean, hey, sky's the limit here. Yeah. Karen, is there someone in your past that you learned to play from or who you think of when you think of playing as a child? Um, I'm an identical twin and uh, my sister and I, we're both OTs, um, we're both really in occupational science. And for me, we just always were playing together and having someone being like an equal play partner who's growing the same skills as you, interest and an accomplice, you know, especially a lot of the things that we would do. Um, we were kind of mischievous, like we liked like TPing or even like shoplifting a little bit or you know, at least kind of risky play. I always had like, you know, a buddy that would be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go, you know, and like to create an adventure. Um, so I feel like to always have a partner was really helpful for, for play. Mm, nice. Yeah. And did she, was she the one who just visited recently? Yes. She, she was just here this last weekend and, um, yeah, it was fun. Reliving play memories is, is fun as well as, you know, <clears throat> if we don't have as much time to get together and to play together and, um, mm. but to kind of remember things, even from college, like reliving fun old stories and stuff was, was, uh, was fun for us. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had a period where you played too hard? Well, now again, I'm going to say what is too hard. Um, for me, when I, when I think of that question, we played too hard, it just starts screaming like societal standard of like expectation mm -hmm. that like there's too hard where you're neglecting work or childcare or, you know, your school or something. And that's when it becomes too much. And it's like this kind of societal pressure that like it, it's too much. So I have to push back on that a bit because I feel like play is also very resistive of like capitalism and like productivity. And so for me, it's like, well, what is too hard? Like who's, you know, what are the consequences of that and who who's missing out? So for me, like, I wouldn't say I played too hard, but I would say that maybe sometimes play isn't good for everyone involved. So if I've done a play, like I said before, like my sister and I loved um, like teeping houses, like growing up, that's not play for the person has to clean it up the next day. Like that's not fun at all. Or if we're joking around and it turns into teasing somebody or like mm -hmm. bullying. And so I think the the negative consequences of play is not always consensual or or fun for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I also want to kind of figure out is how mean play kind of operates, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you think about... Um, consent or the question of uh is everyone enjoying this mm -hmm. in the same way um I think has to be asked whenever you're in a social play um perspective right so that you don't kind of veer into that mean play kind of thing which we all experienced right so it's interesting but the function of that is or if that is even play yeah and then I think you know Play, I think play exists on the spectrum of like, you know, more play and less play, like kind of, you know, pure play to like less play. So there's elements of it. And I think when it starts becoming 
you know, abusive, uncomfortable, like it starts veering away from play. Like there still might be some elements of it, but it's, it's going in a different direction. And then maybe you're thinking about well, what would it enhance this and make it more play. And maybe it's making sure that everybody involved knows what's going to happen, that they mm. have some choices, that um, there's a safe word, like, or there's rules about, you know, stopping or like starting again and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Like I think about something like a roast or something mm -hmm. like I love comedy. And I think about if you if you did a roast and you didn't tell people a roast was happening, that's just like the meanest thing. It's like you're just telling people, making fun of them. But if they're in on it and they love it and they invited all their friends to roast them, it's like it can be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to work myself up to being somebody who could just invite everybody to roast me. <laughs> oh, that's a, that might be in my funeral plan, but I'm not sure because not, maybe other people wouldn't like doing that. They're like, I don't want to say anything mean. <laughs> Your sister would not like that. I'm sure. <laughs> well, she's probably got a list. She, yeah, she'd be right, right up front. <laughs> I feel like you need some tough skin for that for sure. And I'm working my way there. Mm. Yeah, I think, but I think play is vulnerable. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about like tough skin too. Like sometimes it doesn't work out or you lose something or you're kind of acting out something. It's embarrassing. Like there's a vulnerability and a risk there that play is going to turn out bad. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm more into adults playing than children, but there's definitely like every playground after a few minutes, somebody's bursting into tears because yes. it's wrong, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, you know, like even just trying a joke out that that falls flat, you know, feels like very vulnerable, like, oh, oops, you know, like I have a teenage daughter and I can tell that's or, you know, just even listening to like the handsome podcast, you know, What's you the handsome podcast. It sounds fun. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nataro and um, oh, there you have to find this podcast. It's really good. Oh, great. Anyway, um, I don't like anything about handsomeness, so that'll be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As the three lesbian comedians talk about um, just humor and comedy. It's oh, funny. yeah. Oh, you oh, said, oh, Tig. Did you say Tig? Tig Nutorial. Yeah. Oh, yes. I know. That's great. Yeah. They're great comedians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll give me little bits of their, yeah. their moolah, and I'll be like, <laughs> just rolling in dough. <laughs> That's all comedians are. Not really. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Are you rolling in dough, Karen? <laughs> no, no. I mostly get paid in wine now. I don't really. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? And you're in academia, so you're probably not. Yeah, and then that's that's all I get for gifts from students either. It's just wine. So it's definitely wine. <laughs> This is not apples. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, is play important? Yeah, I, I think place is important for yourself, like your own well-being and, and for society. I do think, you know, even some of the literature that I've been reading and the studies, there's often like this angle of is play good for wellness or health or does it create better productivity in the workplace? Like there's all this literature about like play for learning, play for work and creativity. And, it's, and sometimes I think those are all useful because we're validating some of it but there's also just play for play's sake like does play have to be useful can't we just play because we like it it's in the moment do we have to have better relationships and better 
you know, mental health. And I think those are all there, but, um, you no know, kidding. I wish in some ways we could just argue for play because it's, it's great. Just, just be like it, you know, doesn't have to have an outcome. I don't know. Well, anything that doesn't make money is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as we've already discussed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, and play is, is really process focused. You're talking about like outcomes focus. And yeah. So if it is really in the moment, of course, you know, money can be part of that, but like it isn't going to be its main agenda. And when right. it starts to become too heavily into that, people's play shifts into work. You know, it's, it could be from the outside, it seems like you're doing the same thing. Like I felt that when I do stand up, it's like, at times it's play and then at times it's like really stressful and it feels like work and I've I've kind of lost the play element. Too. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. When uh you make play your work and then it becomes sort of the slog that work often can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of backfired on you. Um or can backfire on one. Well, do you think play connects you to others? Yeah, I do think it connects you to others. Like I I went to a play conference in the International Play Association. I went to one in, in Glasgow and there was this play lady that was like her title. And we all played tag. She's like, she was like doing childhood games, like bring it back to your childhood. We started playing tag and there's this guy in the group and I didn't know him at all. He's like my age and he starts chasing me in tag and I'm just screaming my head off and I'm giggling and screaming like I'm a five-year-old girl and just trying to dodge him and like later I saw him and I just felt like I knew him yes we haven't talked so I just think play is like really less cognitive and like verbal but like more of an embodied experience where like you feel bonded because you've done something together like that occupational Mm -hmm. experience of it not necessarily because you've shared something or they know a fact about you. So I think it's such an interesting mm-hmm. way to bond. Well, that is a beautiful example. I love that. Yeah. We have <laughs> a I'm lot. screaming at this man's face. <laughs> right, like, oh, scary, you know. It's like, yeah, you would never just have that happen. So you would call the police. It's like, no, 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 we're in a tag. There's, grounded, yeah. you know, and that's where rules are good. Like, no, no, we have this game. And like, at any time I could say time out, you know. <laughs> I love that there are play conferences. I'm just learning about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, Karen. This is a new horizon for me, at play conferences. And, yeah, I got to get myself to one of these. Especially for children's play, because there's a lot of, you know, in the United Nations and the right to play for children. So there's, there's a big kind of human rights agenda about that. But, but I find that, like, there's some conversations about adult play because if it's so important – a, a right for children how does it just disappear it might change but it's still an important thing and, and and adults are helping to enable play for children so it would be great if they kept playing as well so that they're seeing experiencing it so yeah um i love what you're saying there it's so true and i think so too is like you know i had to sort of learn to play whenever i had my daughter and i feel like she taught me kind of again how to play because and what I'm learning from the podcast, I mean, this is really becoming a very qualitative kind of um, research project kind of because I'm noticing that what I'm finding people are saying is that, you know, right around middle schools when they sort of stopped playing so much or 
and uh, play became more of like the competitive games or the sports or things like that, more something along those lines, or they just became really self-conscious about it. And then they stopped and, um, and just playing as an adult, you, just, you don't have as much time and it's just, it's harder to um, play, to choose to play actually, because there's so many other competitions for your time and you could just lazily kind of scroll or something like that. Yeah. And, and play is like different than that. So it's really, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, you mentioned, um, your work in, um, I know you're doing some work with, uh, P for play that mm-hmm. EU. <clears throat> Did I say that right? I- yep. Yep. It's the P for play program. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, European grant it's a PhD in occupational science and there's eight researchers on it and I'm like the add-on so the eight researchers they have a like a Marie Curie fellowship and then I kind of added on said can I join you but I'm gonna look at adults can I play can I play too so it's been a fun process it's been like two and a half years um and they'll be finishing up because they're full-time but I'm part-time so I'm continuing on oh so that's what you're doing for your PhD yeah, so my PhD is in occupational science with University College Cork and Queen Margaret University. So that's Scotland and Ireland. And huh. um, yeah, and I'm just kind of in the point now where I've done a lot of literature. I've taken all my courses. I've taken courses in play and occupational science. I've gone to conferences and and I'm, I have to do basically propose my research um, and do the ethics to get approval to do qualitative study. So that'll be my next step. So you did play observations of adult play? So I've just been like immersing myself in play and reading about it. And now I have to propose my own study. And my study will be a combination. I'm determined all the methods, but uh, it'll be qualitative research. I'm hoping for something more ethnography, like participatory action, like kind of like playing with people, doing observations and field notes, and maybe interviewing them about those experiences. Um, could potentially have the use of photography, like photo elicitation, if they took photos or videos of their play, and then we use that in interviews to talk about what they were experiencing when they were playing. Hmm. And I want to focus on play that adults playing together. So it's like groups of adults playing together. um, And then role play or like fantasy, like imaginary play. So like I've been doing a lot of LARPs, live action role play, Dungeon Dragons, like tabletop, going to like Comic Cons and Renaissance festivals and just kind of sussing it out. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of drilling down into sort of the granular essence of play in adults. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many ways that you can go studying play for adults. Like, and and the first one of the first PhDs in occupational science was Erna Blanche, and she studied adult play, and and that was in like 1998. But she and she really looked at it enfolded in your daily occupation. So we talk about like kind of play more on the way. And so I am kind of looking at like kind of these special events where adults want to play together. Yeah, that's more of that fantasy role play because that suspension of reality. I think that's really interesting for adults that not all play has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's fascinating. That's really cool. Neat. Yeah. Should be a good sabbatical if I get one because I'm just going to be playing. Just play the whole play. semester. Gather data. It'd be so yeah. such a great excuse. 
Well, yeah. And that'll take, you know, at least a year or so, right? Karen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I can't wait till it comes out. This is very fun. Um, I'm going to say something Zach Galifianakis style. Oh, so good. Between two ferns. Is that yeah, what we're doing? Yeah, I love them. Mm. <laughs> All work and no play. Karen. Is what they want us to believe we should do. Ooh, they. <laughs> so I feel like that is the like the societal expectation is that work and don't play, and that makes you a good person. You're a responsible worker. You're a good parent. You're a good productive adult. And that if you're not, you might be irresponsible. You might be lazy. Might be you know there's some the sadism with this. Like what's your mental health like? Right. Mm-hmm. yes yes too weird you might be a little too strange they like you know you, you go outside of the realm of, of normal and it's the stigma there right right i mean think of like you know people wearing brushes on their shoes and or mm-hmm. you know <laughs> running out with the the wild animals or something yeah <laughs> my brother had that he went to oxford for a summer, and I remember asking him, "What did you? What was like the weirdest thing you did?" And he goes, "This one night, there were these deer in a field, and we just decided to chase the deer, like this animalistic <laughs> instinct." I'm like, "Well, first of all, not play with the deer, but you right. know, like kind of like who's benefiting here?" When a group does it together, and um, the turning is this author that I really like. He talks about play alibis. How like if we have an alibi, like we're doing this speedo santa marathon thing because it's for charity and that's why i'm running in a speedo you know but if yeah. if we just did that one of us ran through town we'd get arrested you know mm-hmm. so it's like the alibis of doing things together and it's like oh it's for something else mm-hmm. it's a holiday it's halloween that's why i'm dressed up like this yeah yeah it's burning yeah. man right right where we're gonna like design a whole yeah community like it can actually be done. So even though society saying don't play, I feel like we haven't really fully gone wild with our play. We still confine it a bit to like, okay, I'm going to do it here with these people. And it's like, it's a thing. I go to this game store and we play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not weird. It's a, it's a whole national thing, you know, air right. guitars and international competition. It's fine. You know? Yeah, I see. Yeah. So as long as we have um, a community of people that we're doing it with, and there's a culture kind of built around it, that the play is acceptable. Yeah. As if um, you're doing something kind of like uh, spontaneously, you meet somebody at the park and you start to do some kind of, uh, you know, imitation sword play or, or, you know, something like that. Yes. Like weird. Yeah, like play has to be contained in some way. Um, and it has to be acceptable. And there was actually, it was Aristotle who wrote, um, I have a quote here about um, their perspective about play and leisure and how they're different. And Aristotle writes, what are the proper activities of leisure? Obviously not play, for that would make play the object of living, our end in life, which is unthinkable. Play has its uses, but they belong rather to the sphere of work. For he who works hard needs rest, and play is a way of resting, while work is inseparable from stress and strain. We must therefore, for therapeutic reasons, admit the necessity of games. 
while keeping them to their proper times and proper uses. Taking exercise in this way is both a relaxation of the mind and just because we enjoy it, a recreation. But the way of leisure that we are speaking of here is something positive in itself, a pleasant, happy existence, which the life of work and business cannot be. So here he's talking about how play is not the purpose of life. And it, it would be unthinkable. And so for me, that almost makes me think, what is so dangerous about play? What would happen? How resistive would that be if play was our, our aim and objective in life? And that he's saying that play is, is a way of resting um, for, from work, but it's not our purpose. And the purpose of work is for leisure. Um, so I just thought that was um, an interesting quote there. And he also talked about how you know, keeping games and play to their proper times and proper uses. So this properness of there's a way to do it and in a way that might get out of control. So again, play seems very bounded in um, what society expects from you and shouldn't detract from being uh, productive in your work. Because it does need people to feel like they have to follow these rules and the structure. And it's a resistive act. Like to play with things is actually... Yeah, to kind of challenge things and say, what if it wasn't this way? And so it can be really liberating. And I don't know if, yeah, governments might not like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I love how it's a resistive act. That's beautiful too. I really like that. Because um, I think so too. You know, I recently quit my job um, in June and, you know, I've had a couple of other things going on, but um but I've mostly had a lot more free time. And so I've kind of been like drilling down, like what is play and can I play and who do I get to play with and how do I play? And, you know, all of this sciencey part of it. Right. But also getting into the privilege to play, like mm -hmm. who gets to play, but the upper class always got to play. Oh yeah. They got to have leisure time. It's the leisure class. It's the working class that needs to keep working to support the free time. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think you are being quite resistive. I, I mean, unless you're extremely wealthy, you know, billionaire too, Emily. I don't know. You know, so. Um, <laughs> not yet. No. <laughs> Probably never will be. And I'm sure you have a bit of that where people are saying, what are you up to now? Are you looking for jobs? And if you started talking about all the play you're doing, people might be like, oh, I hope she's taking this seriously. Or, you know, there's a bit of worry maybe. Yeah, that is that is true. Worry people do worry at me a lot. And uh, especially people in my family, you know, I come from a big family and I, you know, grew up on a farm and there was no play. You know, my, my mom um, was, you know, if the silent generation actually. And so she kind of came from that older, um, you know, perspective where if, you know, idle hands is the devil's playground. And so we did not, uh, have time where we would just play. Um, even though, you know, we jump out the window and, you know, run into the garden often if we could, you know, or try to try to make up play whenever we were just kind of out of her, um, vantage, but we would, um, always be working for the most part. So yeah. this is, yeah, it's, um, it is kind of a, a it, it's a real, um, I have to be careful who I tell it to, who, who I say that I'm, you know, not, <clears throat> not working full time, not um, trying to, you know, climb that ladder, trying to get that management position or something, you know, 
You have to be careful who you're saying that to. And I think there's a lot of resentment. Yeah, we, we also be careful who we say to because we're like big fans of play and we could just be like, play is for everyone. Everyone should play. And some might be like, I can't because I need to survive. Like that is right. my second job is like for my kids. Yeah, I have to feed yeah. my children or for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Right. It's interesting <clears throat> about the, your upbringing as well. Like just thinking about the generational aspects of like when play was valued and the lessons you saw, like, did you see your parents playing? You know, and I can't really think, I could think of humor, but like, I can't really think of like playing as an adult. And like, and and you think about how influenced we are by what we see. And maybe we, we got more from the movies or, you know, things we were watching on TV, but, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Do you think that the, as generations, you know, as the industrial revolution and, we progressed and you know i guess you could call it progress as we progressed or moved toward um this time period yeah. was there um more play i mean i i can imagine yes because there's more time to play you might say one might say mm-hmm. but um but it's an interesting thing too right because there's also it seems like there's a, a time crunch right now for sure. And there's no time for play. There's no time or it's very scheduled. Yes. And that gets into how pure, like how, how pure of play is it? Like how on the spectrum of play, things could be kind of fun. Like you're playing candy crush on your phone or you, you have a board game night with your friends, but maybe there could have been a more expansive play. And so I think, society and obviously we're situating it you know where we are and who we are but like I think there might be kind of a renaissance of play in that people are talking about things that they're doing for fun and leisure industries are expanding like if you think about like the commodification of play like um I see axe throwing at breweries now or people are playing disc golf or like there's like these places you pay to play like arcade vintage arcade studios like and I'm in California so like we like weird and retro things and bringing that back so I could see that but it's also making money so I could see that like businesses might be capitalizing on like join this pickleball team and go on this cruise or you know sure I don't know if that's quite the the play that we might be talking about that doesn't cost anything it's really imaginary and free and spontaneous and yeah. yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> I think as people are so busy, you know, people do kind of gravitate toward things that have more of a rail to it. Like, oh, you just you go to a pickleball thing. All you can do is the pickleball. Mm-hmm. You pay your money and then you do it and it's fun. Yeah, we love it. Um, but it's you don't have to think out too much um, outside of that. And I think um, the mind, the mental expansion that you kind of have to um, have, you know, is that play is the question. That's very interesting, you know, because I mean, I think of play as being, yeah, as you, I like the way you you kind of um, illustrated it as more of a spectrum and yeah, because there, there are, um, ways that it becomes more growth oriented or more process oriented um along the spectrum and you know but it can be very fun to also just play um yeah on candy crush or you can get those endorphins in some ways 
and we can't say it. Like, I, I really do feel like it's really subjectively personally defined because like, I can't say like, we could both be playing in a pickleball game and I could be not having fun and you could be having a lot of fun and find it quite, you know, so it's, it mm. really is a sub sub subjective experience. So we can't, we can't categorize and say like, that is play or that is it. And that's why I'm not going to do just observations with my research. Like people have to describe mm -hmm. experience for them, for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you play in your line of work? Mm. Well, I'm thinking about my line of work. You know, there's different things that I do. There's majority of my work is it's teaching in occupational <laughs> therapy. And I'm, besides using humor in the classroom and and I love joking around with my students I don't I don't think I'm very playful in my my teaching my work um you know I think I think I use humor but a lot of my work is also very serious like when I'm talking about like mental health or occupational justice or something so I'm, it's not that playful and then even when I do stand up I feel like at times it's play for me but it's also probably one of the things I do that makes me the most nervous. So I think thinking mm -hmm. about that play isn't always positive emotions. Like sometimes there's, um, you feel nervous or you feel frustrated or something. And so like, there's kind of a range of emotions, it's not always purely positive and fun all the time, but overall, like when you come out of something, you might go, Oh, it's fun. Like, I just feel like that's kind of a general, like first start of like, that was or even if I didn't expect it to be so mm. like but I've had my students say that they thought one of my finals was fun so I'm not going to go there to say that it's play but they were like that's fun <laughs> didn't you have your students draw comic strips oh yes I did do that <laughs> well I paired up with a student to write comics um kind of satire of the profession because I had a lot of complaints about things I was seeing out in the field people not being as client-centered occupation-centered mm -hmm. and I had these scenarios in my mind of like these spoof kind of like drawings and stuff and she was like oh I can draw some of those for you so like that was fun like teaming up with her and creating like graphic illustrations of some of the things I wanted to critique in the profession but it was too direct to just say it to somebody like you almost sometimes play and humor can kind of bring it to the forefront when it was too hard to digest just directly, like through a cartoon or through a joke, you kind of realize something about yourself. Yeah. Are you saying that you kind of have to have a, a, a longer lead up sometimes? Mm. Yeah. Longer lead up or like disguise I guess disguise my critique into kind of a scenario or a joke situation. So like, you mm -hmm. know, even if it's stand up, it could be you're critiquing something in society, but you're telling like a personal story that's kind of funny for you. And there's like a punchline. But if you look at the theme underneath it, it might be something that's like a harder critique of, of your how your parents raised you or yeah. feminism or something. You know, it's like you can have like these kind of joking about things instead of just saying you're all racist you know yeah. I can make jokes about being a Karen and like how to spot a Karen in the crowd and all this stuff. and I'm kind of saying like yeah you guys we're all a bit like we need to work on ourselves you yeah know? yeah <laughs> I'm not just gonna give you a lecture <laughs> yeah I mean it almost seems like it's the uh it, it, there's a there's a nuance to a mean play mm -hmm. 
and a play that is um, comedy or satire that yeah. um, can, you know, t- it's almost like a, a layer of like toughening the skin yeah. from before I kind of jab in that like, <clears throat> yeah, you know that. Like the use of art or, you know, I think of things like, um, like a street artist, like, like Banksy or something in the UK, mm-hmm. like has very kind of political graffiti street art that he uses, but it's, it's very humorous, you know, but it's really like about anti-war or capitalism or other things. So it's like, how mm-hmm. to kind of digest some of these messages. And I think play does that well, is it kind of helps us to look at things in a less intimidating way that it has lower stakes mm-hmm. and it helps us to kind of see something and, it, and mm-hmm. it gives us a space of like less judgment. You know, I just had a thought and I was wondering if that's because <clears throat> the way that, you know, like you talked about how if you bring the punchline right away to the audience or whatever, um, without kind of doing a little bit of a longer um, lead up or something, you don't connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like that mean play is done out of disconnection yeah, or something, you know, it's like, and the connection is what kind of helps lead us to the raw truth of ourselves mm-hmm. or whatever that, you know, yes, we are racist and white mm-hmm. Karens, all of us OTs, yeah. you know, yeah. and <laughs> we can be kind of, highly privileged and blind to a great mm-hmm. deal of society's ills and so on. But if you do it through connection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and noticing that, you know, Hey, we all are and come, come into my school. Let's do better. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think play, I think play could be a really a nice addition to like we've talked about earlier is like any resistive kind of movement is to think about, um, yeah, like how how we're playing with it because if it's always serious and always negative and people are yelling at you about things, you'll just be resistant back. Yeah, you know, we won't learn. It kind of invites you into the sandbox to to try right. it. Right. Yeah. 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 It gives you that expansion rather than that completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> what do you like to play that you can play without a device? Oh. Uh- <laughs> I don't think I play anything with a device. <laughs> I love that. Like any, well, it's, it, I did a study about um, MMORPGs, which is like role-playing games, like video games. And hmm. I, I never even played them. I was so bad. I was oh with my, my students. So my students led it. And I was like, God, I never even really got into video games. I don't do any Me neither. Device. Me neither. No. I'd say the most is use of humor with my phone is like sending gifs to your friends or like a funny picture or something like i can't really Mm -hmm. think of anything that i use with a device yeah so you don't do wordle no that doesn't sound like play at all this sounds like a cognitive game i I know know. it's very cognitive yeah like learn it's too much like learning for me learning i I don't like it no yeah (laughs) what do you play um that's without your your device so i think your guitar air guitar well say so i'm actually i'm not an air guitarist i'm an air guitar fan you know okay. so some of it's just the enjoyment of being a fan i've been trying out more things that are more the the role-playing games but they're hard for me because i actually even though i do stand up i'm not good at acting or improv and mm. i feel like improv gives you those skills to just be like i'm a wizard 
you know, like, and so I'm playing with these foam swords in the woods and they're like, you're a monk. And I'm like, I don't know, what does a monk do? And it's just like, I feel like I needed to be a drama kid or something, you know? So it's a challenge for me to get into some of this character development. Um, But it's a very inviting space. So I think having just confidence that like people are welcoming you in and it's a, in a space that's like mm-hmm. people are saying you could just start as you are. And that's been really helpful. I love that for you. Yeah. That feels really expansive. Yeah. Um, have you ever played the game uh, 10 candles? No, what's 10 candles. It's a role play game. And uh, it's one I recently um you can like buy it for like $10 and then you can print out the book, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it's really fun. It's about the end of the world. Right. And um, you play it in the dark and, you know, you just kind of play out the game, like who, Mm -hmm. who has the survival skills to, to win and things like that. And um, I've never played it because my family won't play it with me. (laughs) Oh, so you need play partners. I do. And you know, what's funny is that they're really playful people. Yeah. Like my husband doesn't always translate. Mm -mm. It's funny. I don't know. But anyway, I wish that you had played it so you could tell me if you liked it or not, because I want to find somebody who's played it before. Well, I love actually some of what I found fascinating why I'm going more into these role playing games is that it's it's really about collaborative storytelling. There isn't a winner or a loser. And I think that's really it's it's to me challenging my idea of games and things that I've learned that like, we all can just act things out. And then it just ends a few hours later. I'm like, how long is this thing? Like we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, like four hours in. I'm like, when does it end? They're like, it ends when it ends. I'm like, oh my God. Right. <clears throat> or it goes on for another week. Hmm? Or it goes on for another week. It could, it keeps going. They, they're playing for weeks. And I'm like, oh, this could get, I, I'll have to get involved in one of them. But I'm like, the part of me that's like, I don't have time for this. Like my own inner, like, how long is this? I gotta get to bed. <laughs> I know. I know that my neighbor does um role playing games or he does yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah. I'll walk down um the street, you know, with the with my dog. Um well I don't have a dog, but I, I walk with the neighbor's dog. But anyway, <laughs> I'll be walking down the street. You're kidnapping people's dogs. Yeah, I just like them down the street. Yeah, That's what you do. I just want to go spy on this neighbor. And but you like, need a dog as an excuse. Otherwise, you're just looking in his window. You're like, no, no, he's peeing. Okay. Right. We don't need another Karen in the window. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I, I will walk by. And he is got, you know, I can see his TV and he's got his um, role-playing game, D&D, all up. And, you know, he's like playing into wee hours of the night. It's wild. I'm just like, wow. Now is this this is tabletop or it's on the screen? It's on the screen. Mm. So I'm wondering, yeah. And so there's different things like you know you got more like your virtual like world 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 of Warcraft and like you know there's multiple oh. players and they're playing a a, a yeah. role playing game online. But then there's the tabletop games where we're sitting all around a table yeah. and the dungeon master and the dungeon master has created the scene. Like we are all trolls sure. and we are going to capture our lost coins that have been, you know, it's very Lord of the Rings sometimes. And then we all do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it may be a little different, but. Um, <clears throat> well, now you're going to have to nap on his door and be like, I'm sorry, can I interview you about your. <laughs> your play? If you're playing in the wee hours and night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will play with me. Can you come over to my house? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> they had to like drag this dog out just to like walk down the street. <laughs> yeah. Well, Karen, you have um did were you um able to talk um about your research um as much as so because with my research like I haven't started it yet like it really has been exploratory and it's you know what I would say I've really been grateful for this time to just not jump into what I thought play was for adults and just to experience it and to read about it and now go in a little bit more purposefully and collect mm. data with with people but it's also collaborative like I really don't want to go in to these spaces and just say, I want to interview you, you know? So I've really been trying to like build community and just like get to know people so that I'm not like this outsider, yeah. you know, I'll never be like as into D and D as them, but like, at least I'm giving it a try. Like I'm trying to create my own character sheets. I'm buying costume materials. Like I'm showing yeah. up on a Saturday with a foam sword, you know, <laughs> trying. Yeah. Oh yeah, that connection, right? Yeah. So I th I think for my for my stage of research, like it's basically just been more exploratory um, now. So to to be stay tuned for more for more about. Yeah, and the P four play is um there are they finishing up? Yeah, so they're ending right now. They should all be done by June or May or June, and there'll be a lot of research coming out of my colleagues are doing amazing work with like. It's just especially this children's rights to play, hearing from the children themselves about what play is, accessible playgrounds, gender and play, play for marginalized communities like the traveling community in Ireland, um, play assessments for like play, you know, on the playground. So it's just going to be so many useful things for occupational therapists and occupational scientists. So um, just really proud of all all their work and now yeah. I'm, now I'm all by myself I have to continue on make new friends but... you gotta lead the way <laughs> <Don't play. laughs> yeah but it's it's a great grant for just focusing on one occupation you know to think about like mm -hmm. all of these researchers all looking at play but different aspects it's it's mm -hmm. so much more expansive than I ever thought like I never thought about play and my work with mental health and adults and older it's like, I don't know why I never thought of it. I just thought about leisure. And I really think they're different experiences. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I do too. I think we always lump them together. You know, um, Dr. Stav was talking about this too. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, play in in our occupational therapy um, frame of reference is so limited for mm -hmm. play. Yeah. And I never really thought about that before, but it really kind of is, you know, especially, you know, and I think it's probably has something to do with the fact that adults have such a uh, very um, small lens or a very in infrequent um, yeah. play experience. So yeah. the new, new play textbook is coming out. The one um, it's um, oh. Diane Parham and Elawani Ramagundo. They're co-editing it. And there's going to be a whole chapter now, myself and Erna Blanchard writing about adult play. Oh, gosh. So we're going to have it. But the whole book's about play, but it's across the lifespan now. It's not just for pediatrics. And so I think that's going to be a big deal yeah. for OT textbooks. It's not just thinking about peds and then play ends. Yeah. Or athletics. Oh, yeah. 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 
Wow. Maybe, maybe we can even get a little interspecies play, you know, like yeah. something that I've been thinking more about as well as like human canine. Like I play with my dog all the time. If you're going to actually, who's the biggest player is my dog. So that's who you should have on your podcast because she's, yes. she's ready to play. <laughs> that's also a common theme. Actually, I've, I've interviewed several of, um, you know, three people out of the five people I've interviewed have mm-hmm. talked about their play with their animals, their dog. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's prevalent for sure. <laughs> um, Yeah. Well, that is what I was going to ask is, is there anybody that I should interview? I would say this is kind of a local person, but of all the people I've talked to about play, there's this, um, woman that lives in my town she's she her name is kim the skipper and she started a skipping movement in san francisco in like the 80s or 90s where she just decided to start skipping and people started joining her and Mm -hmm. now she does these fun things where we do unicorn parades where it's just where adults get together and dress up like unicorns and we we hop skip and hop around town oh my gosh no reason no reason at all. Like, and it's, not for charity. Not. No. And she like met her husband at Burning Man. She's just the kind of whimsical person. But what I admire about her is people join her. Like some some play is really contagious. And she's yeah. like the kind of person that seems like you can just come up with an idea and people will join in. And I think that's a really interesting like movement. Like to follow. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's very San Francisco. Seems like it. Yeah. People just being weird and then people following them. Yeah, it's great. Well, I feel like it's (laughs) it's the next. um, I love San Francisco, by the way. Love it. Um, It's the next uh, generation of like roller skaters. I feel like roller skate used to be like a big deal in San Francisco, and now it's yipping maybe. I went to a roller skate night. I've been trying to do all the play things, and he's like, they have this old retro disco roller skating night and then going to that and people are dressed up and I feel like the dressing up and the like kind of like throwback era was making it more playful than just mm, and only adult only so it's just yeah. like these fun events where you're like it's not about just about kids it's about us like and this guy made his roller skates from hand and he was dressed in like this white like dress suit with like ruffles and I was like this is legit he's a legit player hate the player hate the game (laughs) (laughs) gotta love the player (laughs) yeah i love them yeah so i think these play people like it of course there's play scholars and everything but like i actually don't know if like myself or some people are writing a play are like the best at play like i'm relearning it myself like you said and i think what it can come back but we have to reinvigorate like yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I totally agree. I think that for myself, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, the way I'm going about it is a, a very adult way of going about it. Like, let's investigate what is this first. It's yeah. a very middle class kind of way to do it. <laughs> this is an official podcast and we're researching play and we're talking about it <laughs> and we're examining it. And play is just going to resist that. Play is going to be like, I cannot be defined. Do not try and pigeonhole me. I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> I love, I love the idea of play just being like this, uh, like inordinate entity. You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> like a well, splash here. Somebody I met, not met, was it a play 
scholar who defined play and said that it was elusive, that one of the term, one of the roots of play was elusiveness and that play itself will not be pinned down. It was, yeah, like this metaphor of like, I'm play, don't define me. Once you do, I'll change. And it's yeah. a moving dynamic thing instead of like, sometimes we view occupation as this static, like this is an activity that we do and it's in the OT practice framework. And it's like play crosses all boundaries. Yes. It can't be pigeonholed. Nobody knows what it is. And the minute you think you figured it out, it'll change. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> well, on my last podcast my with my daughter, and my daughter asked me, what is play? So, of course, I was stumped. Oh. And I asked Siri what was play. Siri gave me an answer, but then I went to dictionary.com. It had like 46. I, it had so many definitions of play. There's just, um, it is, it's hard to nail down. Yeah, I think. So I, I think it's good that you're interviewing people uh, before and after play. I And I, I think experiencing it during play and then asking about how that experience was, because there's also this embodied element of play that like it's how it feels. It's not just how you describe it. And when people start telling you what it is, the words that are describing might not always be me screaming in that guy's face when he's chasing me in tag. I don't know how to describe that in words, but I felt my body leap up in joy and scream at him. <laughs> huh? Yeah. You know, like, oh. <laughs> right, right. You can see there's some kind of body. Yeah. Like more experiential body with, with how you're thinking about it because you have a play experience that you're mapping onto tag. Like I know what tag is. I played that. And I know this is a safe place. We're at a conference, but like the feeling of like, Ooh. right. Ooh. I wonder if you do any like physiological studies with it, you know, kind of oh. checking people's uh, heart rates. You just want to start measuring heart rate, Emily. No. <laughs> right. Oh. Let's get the vagal nerve involved here. Like, is there. <laughs> to science And that's not, is science the best way to study play? Because science. Science really is the opposite. Methods. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Arts. Maybe art's better. <laughs> well, I don't want to take any more of your time. This has been a long, um, so enjoyable uh, Thank interview. You. Thank you yeah. so much. It's been um, really fun to talk about play. And you really kind of jogged my mind about what is play and how do we study it and whether, you know, mean play is play and all of that. I just love it. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for highlighting such an important experience in our lives. Absolutely. Now, I want you to get out there and play, everybody. Let's build a world that's a little lighter, a little less harsh, and a little more connected. Let's build the world that we want to have. And don't forget to follow Play Fully on Spotify or Amazon or wherever you're listening right now. Our episodes come out on Wednesdays every week so you can get inspired to play right over that hump through the rest of the week. I'd love to know what you think, so please leave me a comment. And take care, everybody. <laughs>